Good morning. How are we doing, Dream City? Isn't it good to be in God's house this morning? Man, it is. And uh, uh, one quick announcement. Fall Fest tonight at the Expo. In case we miss that part, it's at the Expo. Obviously, it is nasty. We can't have it outside. So the people at the Expo were so kind and uh, partnered with us. So at the Expo tonight at 5 o'clock. And I heard that McAllister was canceling what they were doing for a little Fall Fest. So I'm sure it's going to be a full-on zoo out there, people. So that just means more people to invite to church. Right? The Lord works in mysterious ways. It's going to be great. Um, so thank you so much. And thank you so much for an amazing surprise birthday party last Sunday night. Man, uh, thank you. I knew I turned 40 in three weeks or so. And I knew Erica was going to try to do something. But to be honest with you, I didn't think she had what it took to get me. I mean, I'm the, I'm the trickster of the family. I'm the one that pulls pranks on her. Uh, I just never considered that she would lie and conspire with my staff. And like they would all get together and convince me that we were throwing a surprise birthday party for Erica. So for weeks, I was so proud of myself at how well I was lying and how well I was deceiving and like, she has no idea that there's a surprise party, to, only to find out that the surprise was on me. I mean, kudos. So thank you for all that came and uh, for everybody that gave a card or present or just, it means so much to me. And if you didn't give a chance to give a present, you still have like three weeks before my birthday. So there's plenty of time. It's not too late. Uh, I'm teasing. Um, we're on part two today of uh, give with all your heart. And last week we talked about giving time with all your heart and how I believe that one of the greatest things in life that steals time, that steals your future, that steals the beautiful things that God has for your life is something called unforgiveness. And how if we will, man, get that heart healthy, a whole new world opens up to us for what God has for us. And you definitely don't wanna mix next week because Pastor Chris is going to be preaching what I think is one of the greatest sermons that I've ever heard on um, the topic of giving your talents to God. I mean, it is off the charts. He preached about five years ago. Mr. Potato Head's going to be here on stage next week. It's really, uh, don't miss next week. It's going to be phenomenal. Uh, but today, I want to preach about giving your treasure with all your heart, your treasure. And before you get upset with me, I promise that we're not taking a special offering today. I promise that this is not some kind of setup or a manipulation tool in any way, shape, or form. Uh, today, just like every Sunday, I do want to challenge the way that you think, and I hope that that greatly impacts the way that you live, because I think some of us are missing out on the greatest blessings in life. And would you know that Jesus spent 25% of his teachings, 25%, giving parables that either involved money, revolved around money, somehow money was connected to these parables in 25% of his teachings, more than he spoke about heaven or hell. That seems bizarre to me, and you've got to ask yourself, like, why would Jesus teach so much on giving? Why would he teach so much on money? And it seems obvious to me that he's just hard up for cash, and he needs you to give. I mean, that seems apparent, right? He, he, he needs you to give. Tough times in heaven, apparently. Ran out of gold for the streets. I, I don't think that's the case at all. I, I think the economy in heaven is, is doing just fine. Uh, God doesn't need your money. He's not after your money. But what he is after is you. And he's after your heart. 
And he is after your future. And he's after the best plans and purposes that he has for your life. But he just knows, he knows that, well, Matthew chapter 6 says it. He knows that where your treasure is, there your heart is going to be also. And he's after you. He's after your heart. He knows how money works in this situation. He also knows that the love of money is the root of all evil. And I want you to know today that there's a God in heaven that is fighting for your future. Isn't that good news? He knows. He knows that it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. And he wants to see you blessed. And he knows that when you do give, that you are storing up treasure as a good foundation for the future that you might experience true life. That's what scripture says. He wants you to experience true life, the abundant life. And he also knows that when you give, it will be given back to you. Except not just what you gave this time, it's going to be pressed down. It's going to be shaken together to make room for more running over. God wants you to live a blessed prosperous existence. He's fighting for that in your life, friends. Again, Jesus didn't teach on money or giving because he's hard up or, or he's trying to benefit himself. He did these teachings because he's trying to help you, friends. Look at your neighbor and say, God's trying to help me this morning. Aren't you glad your pastor loves you enough to step on your toes occasionally? Come on, somebody. You didn't know it, but you were born at a massive disadvantage. You really were, a massive disadvantage. Because from, from the day you were born, there's been certain mindsets that have been taught to you, indoctrinated to you. You are surrounded with these mindsets. It's dangerous. It's this, this mindset called the American dream. And it can be very ugly and very scary. Whoa! It's almost Halloween. You got to throw something in there. <laughs> the dream used to be, the American dream used to be, that this was the land of opportunity. Not a guarantee, not the land of, of handouts and how can I do less and make more. It, it, it was the land of opportunity, a place where you could dream. A place that if you worked hard enough that there's nothing you couldn't become, that there's nothing that you couldn't achieve. That, that was the American dream, and that's beautiful. But somewhere along the way, it seems like a new dream has infiltrated our society just a little bit. This new dream is asking the question, how can I acquire more stuff? How can I make more money? <laughs> How can I have the latest, the greatest, the best, the brightest? And we bought into this lie that stuff equals success. We bought into the lie that the more money somebody has, that's what makes the man. We bought into the lie that somehow our worth and our value is somehow tied to the amount of possessions that we have on planet Earth. It's dangerous. It's not the gospel. As a matter of fact, it, it's a sickness that has found its way into our families, found a way into our lives, keeps us from the best that God has for us. I created a couple graphs that I wanted to show with you this morning. The first graph is probably where all of us started back in those good old first married days. 
But this is what it looks like when you are just living paycheck to paycheck, friends. Man, uh, you, you, your income and your spending is just about the same. You're paying your bills, but that's about all you're doing. Anyone in the room can identify with them good old days. Yeah, man. That's where everybody starts, right? Eric and I started 18 years ago. We bought a single wide trailer house from my brother for $7,000. And we were just tickled to death to have it. We were living on love back in those days, man. Didn't have a lot, but we had each other. And God was moving, and we found out that you can fit over 50 teenagers in the front room of a single-wide trailer house if you want to try hard enough as a youth pastor. Now, there was nothing left of the trailer afterwards, but we got 50 teenagers in the front room. But, man, they're beautiful times. Some of my most fond times in life. But during those times, you always think, like, man, if things could just be a little bit better, you dream a little bit, like, man, I'm going I'm to finish my degree, I'm going to be able to get a different job, I'm going to have a little bit more income. The next graph is what we hope our life is going to look like. That income's going up. And in our mind, like, spending's going to stay the same. So it creates this space in our lives. And in that space, maybe you can finally save a little bit of money for a rainy day. Maybe you can start putting a little big bag for retirement. Maybe you don't have to work every single weekend. Maybe you, can, you and your wife can go out on an actual date. Or if you work hard enough, maybe you can take the kids on vacation. Or maybe you can, since you're not working every weekend, you can serve a little bit more at the church or support that missionary or that ministry that you've been passionate about. But in our minds, like, this is what we're going for, where our income is greater than our spending. And we talk about it and we dream about it, but again, most of us have been indoctrinated with the poison, so most of our lives look like this next graph. That as our income increases, well, so does our spending. And not that there's anything wrong with the car that you had, and it's paid off, and it gets you from A to B, but man, that new car, come on, that 2024, Technically, I mean, technically, I can afford it. You know, I mean, technically, I got to keep working every weekend. But, man, I, and nothing wrong with your current house or your current wardrobe or your current fill-in-the-blank, whatever your vice is. But wouldn't it be something if you had something new? If you had, so the truth is, for most Americans, the more money you make equals the more money you spend. And for many of us, that line of spending actually overtakes our line of income because we have these magical things called credit cards. And you just swipe them. And you get to take stuff home with you. You don't even have to pay that day. You just swipe them and take it home. It's a magical card, right? Until you're 20% interest and you're paying those things for the rest of The truth of the matter is, friends, that for most Americans, no matter what you have... You want more stuff. No matter what you make, it's never enough because there's always something newer. There's always something brighter. There's always something more. And I don't just want it. I need it. Come on, man. I actually think the greatest showman wrote a song about it. Maybe you want to sing it with me this morning. It goes a little bit like this. Never enough, never enough. Oh, okay, hey. It was worth a try. It didn't work. It's never enough. It's never enough. No matter how much you make, no matter, there's always more, there's always more. And you find that you don't own your possessions, 
but your possessions own you. Well, that's a stupid thing to say, Pastor. My name's on the title. Of course I own it. Your name's on the title, but your possessions own you because that new car tells you when you're going to work. That new house dictates how much overtime and how many weekends you're going to work. You're not the boss anymore. Those possessions own you. Oh, you kid got a Christmas program this week? <laughs> That's cute. You're going to be working. Oh, a new baby on the way? Sonogram day? You want to take off? Tough. You can't afford to take. That's what technology's for, man, right? Just FaceTime. It's kind of the same. And this is the world that you live in. You've bought into the lie that I need more stuff, more things, more, more, more. And then you realize that you are a prisoner of possessions. In your attempt to gain stuff, you've lost what is most important in life. You've lost time that you can never get back with your family. You've lost it. You've lost memories that can never be remade. They're gone. You missed them. You've sacrificed what is so great and what is so precious and unique. You've sacrificed it for what's good. Stuff's good. Nothing wrong. But it's just good. It's not great. You've sacrificed the irreplaceable for the replaceable. You've sacrificed the eternal for the here, for the now. The truth is, is that many of us have sacrificed our families and our futures and we've laid them on the altar of materialism. Because if we were to be honest with ourselves, materialism is our God. It's, it's our number one. It's really the decision maker in our lives. Why is it so quiet in here this morning? My goodness. It's a good thing I'm not running for public office, people. This is all free. Think about this. It's insanity. It's insanity. Spending money you don't have to buy things you don't need to try to impress people that you don't even like. <laughs> That's crazy, friends. Come on. Surely there's a better way, church. Surely God has something different and better for our lives, man. How about we do something different? How about we change a few things in our lives? Man, if you'll give me just a couple minutes. I promise I'm done stepping on your toes. Give me just a couple minutes. Open your heart. I can show you a better way, a more profitable, a more beneficial way to live your life. Are you ready, friends? <laughs> Are you ready, friends? <laughs> what if we did it God's way? What if we did it God's way? This is what James chapter 1 says. Every, look at your neighbor and say every, every good and perfect gift comes from my hard work and pulling my life up from my bootstraps. And No, every good and perfect gift comes from above. Coming down from the Father of heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. If there's one thing I need you to remember, if there's one thing I need you to grab onto this morning, it's this reality. Get it in your heart down deep. I'm not the source. I'm just the resource. I'm not the, come on, I'm just the, this mentality of what I have doesn't belong to me. 
What I have isn't mine. And anything good that I do have in my life, it came from him. Listen, Paul wrote, I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Christ lives through me. It's living your life embracing the truth that Mark Hinnon doesn't get a say-so anymore. Mark Hinnon doesn't own a house. He doesn't own a car. He doesn't have a bank account. Jesus has all those things, and I just do whatever he tells me to do with those things. They're not my possessions. They're his that he's letting me use in his time frame. Friends, I'm not the source. I'm just the resource. Let me tell you, here's what we are this morning. We're just like this hose, water hose, not the other hose. Just to clear that up, water hose. It's hard to preach after this guy sometimes, okay? He's distracting. This water hose is not the source, right? Its job is to get water from the source to the thing that's in need, right? I mean, the super dry ground, the flower that's withering, the, the pond that's drying up, whatever it is, it's not the source. Its only job is just to get water from the source to the thing in need. The, the only job of the hose is to allow that water to pass through. I just want to make sure it worked. Thank you, guys. Man, if looks could kill. I'm going to preach to this side of the room now. Think about this. The hose doesn't own the water. Right? The hose didn't create the water. Right? But. The hose absolutely can control the water. By choosing to turn that nozzle off, it controls the water. What if the hose waked up one day and just said, man, I like all this daggum water stuffed up in this hose of mine. This is pretty nice. You know, the crazy thing about this thing is it started off like four feet long. It's one of those magic growing hoses. Look at this thing, man. It's massive. What if one day the hose is like, man, I'm expanding my territory. I'm stretching out those tent pegs. Look at how God's using me. Look at how God's prospering me. As we just continue to hoard water and water and water, and that hose just takes it all in. Thank you, Lord, for the blessings. The problem is, is that over here is a flower that is dying. Ground that is hard and cracking. The cows are worried because the ponds are drying up. And over here, man, these flowers and these cows and pond, man, they're crying out, God, we need rain. Man, come on, they're crying out to the source for water. They're quiet crying out to the source to do something. The problem is, is that we don't have an issue with the source. There is an un ending supply, an unending source 
in the God that we serve. He, he's a God of more than enough. He's not running out of sources. The problem isn't with the source. The problem is with believers that have decided to shut off that nozzle. And they have become more concerned and obsessed with growing their bank accounts and accumulating junk that they don't even need. And they don't give a flip about the world that is dying and in need all around them. Friends, we don't have a source problem. We have a Christian problem. Man, God's looking for people that will remember that I've been blessed to be a blessing, that I don't own anything. God's looking for hoses that are willing to open up and say, God, whatever you want to pour through me, man, I'm going to give to the needy. I'm going to take care of the poor. God, it's not mine, it's yours. If you pour it in, I'm going to pour it out. Come on, somebody. The people that God's looking for. Did you know that across the world, not, not this church, but just across the world, the church, global church as a whole, that people give 2% as a whole of their income. 2%. And did you know that of just the church, no, no, no government organization, no, no program, no bureaucrats or politicians involved. If just the church would be obedient to Scripture, if just the church would do what God has already commanded us to do, that you know that we have the finances to feed every hungry mouth, to roof every home, everything we need is already here. But we got closed up nozzles. What if we did it God's way? What if we stopped living for the here and the now? What, what, what if we did? James chapter 4 says this. Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow, we'll go to this city or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, make some money, honey. Why do you even, why? You, you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist. You are a vapor that appears for a little while <coughs> and then vanishes tomorrow. What if we truly believed that this world is not my home, that my citizenship is in another city. If we truly believe that, friends, I'm telling you, we would stop living so much for today and we would start living a whole lot more for eternity. I promise you, have you ever considered how absolutely silly it is to spend your whole life working, your whole life working, to gain possessions that you don't even get to keep. What an unbelievably sad waste of the one life that Jesus gave you. you don't, so Jesus gave us a solution in Matthew chapter 6. He said, don't store up treasures here on earth where moss eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. 
Store your treasures in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. Friends, we got to get out of the mindset of the here and the now, and we got to start storing up some treasures in another place, man. Where moth can't eat, where, where thief can't steal, where your family's not going to fight over, their Uncle Sam's not going to tax it. We're talking about an eternal inheritance. Well, how do I do that, Mark? How do I store up treasures in heaven? How do I live a life that's thinking of eternity? It's, it's not hard. You, you give. That's what, you give. You give your time. You give your talents. You give your treasure. You give your love. You give your compassion. You, you give whatever it is that you have to give. You just, you give it. And you give it with your whole heart. That's what you do. Well, Mark, I'm just not sure. That works for you. I'm just not sure it works for me. I mean, Mark, haven't you given away money that you didn't have to give? Yes, I have. Hasn't that been terribly uncomfortable at times? You have no idea. Obedience to God is so hard sometimes. Mark, haven't you walked away from dream homes to follow Jesus? I have. Haven't you turned down job opportunities that you would have made so much more money? And like, yeah, I've, I've done all those things. Again, Mark, I, that, that seems to work for you, but just to be honest with you, that seems a little bit crazy to me. I'm not sure that that's the life that I want to live. And I, I respect that, and I, I see where you're coming from with those ideas. I mean, you just want to come to church, you just want to hear a good little sermon, and you just want to go on about your business, right? I mean, that's why you're here this morning. You don't need me getting all up in your business and stepping on your toes. Can I share with you what I think is crazy and why I choose to live my life the way that I live my life? And I hope that you'll live your life the same way too at some point because I think it's the right way. Here's what I think is crazy. To spend your life focusing solely on this much time. And never giving a second thought to all of this time. Because this represents the 70, 80, 90 years maybe, maybe, maybe less. This represents the, that time that you have here on earth. But this, I know you can't see it. But this rope goes down that ramp out the door, up A Street, over to 69, past Eufaula, Shakota, Muskogee. I mean, this rope just keeps going up through Kansas and Nebraska. And we're at the North Pole before you know it. We wave at Santa. I mean, this, this rope just keeps going and going and going and going and going and going. And it never stops because that's what eternity is. It never ends, for better or worse. Eternity never ends. You think I'm crazy for walking away from a couple stupid houses or turning down a few measly dollars? You think I'm crazy? Let me tell you what's crazy is living your life for this when you should be living your life for this, man. Now that's crazy, man. That's crazy. God's called you to something bigger. He's called you to something eternal. I can't promise you that you're going to have all the things in life that you want here on this earth. God never promised you that. I can't tell you everything's going to be easy, that you're going to die with millions of dollars in the bank. I can't tell you that. Listen, look at my life. 
I don't have a lot of material things to show for myself. In worldly wisdom standpoint, like, Mark, you're so stupid. You've made some very unwise decisions. I get it, but can I tell you, there is a place. And this place will never end. And this has a firm foundation where there's no wars, where there's no death. There is a place. And I may not be very wealthy here on this earth. But in my actual home, you're looking at a very wealthy individual. I mean, I'm so successful in the life that actually matters. When you give, money might leave your hand, but it never leaves your life. Think about that for a second. It might leave your hands, but it never leaves your life. And this is why. I mean, the greatest investments, financially speaking, are the ones that grow and multiply and compound, right? I mean, if you invest a thousand bucks in something today and 10 years later, like, well, what'd you make? Well, got my thousand bucks back. Not a great investment. I mean, you didn't lo lose money, but you kind of did because God only knows what inflation is going to be like in 10 years. A thousand dollars is going to get you a cheeseburger somewhere. I mean, when you invest, you want that thousand dollars to turn into two to three to five to ten to a uh hundred. I mean, that, you, you want it to grow. You want it to multiply. So let me tell you the secret to the kingdom of God. Let me tell you the secret to building an inheritance, to sending God some, some utensils to work with in this place that he's preparing for you. If you want to make the greatest investment today, invest in people. For two reasons. Number one, people are eternal. They never die. No, we leave this world, but we never die. We, we are eternal. So people are eternal, and people are all connected. Did you know the whole world is connected through six relationships? Chew on that for just a little bit. Think about it. So, let's pretend that you decide, man, I'm tired of living so daggum selfishly. I'm ready to make a difference in the life of somebody. Matter of fact, I'm going to make a difference in the life of three people. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to, I'm going to pay to send them to camp. I'm, whatever I got to do, I'm investing in these three people's life. And let's pretend that, man, those people give their hearts to Jesus and he transforms their life. Praise God. If that was all that happened, that would be worth it. How can you put a price tag on a human soul? Three souls not going to eternal hell. That's good news, right? But what if those three people, like, man, I want to go do for somebody else what this person did for me. And they go and reach three people. Well, shoot, that's nine plus the three you just reached. You've reached 12 people, eternal souls, robbed from hell. Man, this is incredible. But the reason it's the greatest investment is because it never stops there. The law of multiplication kicks in, right? What if those nine people reach three people? Well, that's 27. What if they reach three people? Well, that's 81. What if they reach three people? That's 243. What if they reach three people? That's 729. What if they reach three people? That's 2,187 lives that can be touched just that quickly. And that's just assuming that you, they only reach three people. There's always the X factors in there, right? What if you reach somebody that reaches somebody that reaches somebody that reaches the next Billy Graham? 
He preached the gospel to over a billion people. Millions of people gave their hearts to Jesus. Now you reach one of those people down the line, man, it compounds enormously because those millions reach millions, reach millions, reach millions, and it goes and it goes all the way until whenever Jesus comes back to earth. Generation after generation after generation after generation after generation. What I'm trying to tell you is the little that you have to give and the life that seems so unexceptional to you, that one life can make a profound eternal difference. That's how it works. Man, you got to give. I think we can all agree that that kind of difference is so much greater than some stupid new car or a closet full of clothes that you probably aren't even going to wear that often, right? My wife's got clothes with tags on them still, for goodness sake. I want to leave you with this thought. Good intentions don't make a difference. Only giving does that. <laughs> the homeless person on the street, man, I had every intention on helping that person out. Oh, thank you so much for thinking about that. What a help and a blessing that was. Right? The little woman whose car doesn't work, she can't get her kids to school. You know what, I, I thought about, you know, helping her out on that. I never did. Oh, when she sees you in heaven, she's going to say, thank you so much for the consideration. It changed my life. Of course not. That's ridiculous. Eternity will never tell of what you thought about doing. Eternity will never tell about what your intentions were. It only tells what you did and what you gave, friends. Listen, I'm not selling you something today. I'm not offering you a, a get-rich-quick scheme. I'm not giving you a, an investment opportunity. I'm just simply trying to tell you how you can make your one very short, very ordinary life make an extraordinary difference. And it's just not that hard. And every person in this room can do it because every person in this room has something to give. So do what God did. Give it with all your heart. Give the best that you have. Give all that you have to give. John 3.16 says this, for God so loved that he thought about giving For God so loved that he gave. And what did he give? Oh, he had 20 kids to choose from. <laughs> he gave his one, he gave his only. So that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. You're here in this room today because somebody somewhere gave. This building was not free. These chairs were not free. This musical instrument is not free. And do you know that somewhere, some down along the road, someone gave towards this pastor to go to a youth camp and a kids camp and a mission trip. Somebody somewhere gave into every one of your lives. How selfish would it be to not say, God, with so much given to me, how can I not give in response, friends. Pray with me today.
God, I love you so much. And I'm so, so thankful for all that you've given, for all that you've done. God, I'm not trying to step on toes or be controversial today. Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would open our hearts, that you would touch our minds to think differently, to live differently, to approach our one life so differently. Because, God, what we have the opportunity to do is so unique, so precious. God, we don't want to miss the best that you have to fill our 